Hi, I'm Sharon Davis, Chief Executive of Young Enterprise, and welcome to Series 3 of Enterprising Mindset, Minding Your Money. We'll be exploring the often overlooked role mindset plays in building financial capability and the significant benefits to be gained from understanding the impact our attitude, beliefs and values have on our behaviours around money. I'm hoping we'll discover new ways to help young people build a money-related mindset and also explore the contribution this could have in increasing social mobility in the future. My guest today is Steve Hare. Steve's a chief executive of Sage, a FTSE 100 company trusted by millions of customers around the world as a market leader in cloud business management solutions. Under Steve's leadership, Sage recently defined its purpose as knocking down barriers so that everyone can thrive, specifically calling out its focus on tackling societal and economic inequality, as well as supporting a new generation of diverse and sustainable businesses as part of its ambitious sustainability and society strategy. Sage is working with the Purpose Coalition on the development of 14 levelling up goals focused on tackling the challenges faced by the UK post-pandemic and is designed to improve access to opportunities for all. As part of this work, Steve is levelling up commissioner focused on extending enterprise, where his role is to lead on shaping what levelling up means when it comes to business creation and entrepreneurship. As head of SAGE, Steve also sits on the World Business Council for Sustainable Development and is a commissioner for the Business for Tackling Inequality Commission, which aims to mobilise business action at scale to drive systemic transformation in support of prosperity for all. Steve, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to Minding Your Money. Sharon, it's good to uh, meet you and thanks very much for inviting me. Very much looking forward to the conversation. Now, I'm really keen to to dive into the brilliant work that you're leading in the knocking down barriers so everyone can thrive call to action, which is so needed right now. But before we do that, it would be great if listeners could get to know you a little bit as a person. Now, we know our mindsets are often informed by our early experiences of the world around us. Lots of research says that our money habits and behaviours pretty much formed by the age of seven. So my first question, Steve, is... Who and what were your early memorable influences that informed your attitude and mindset around money? You know, my early memories are very much of my parents, I guess, trying to teach me to take responsibility and and really respect money. So, I mean, I remember being given at a very early age a a small allowance so that I was taught to sort of think about, you know, saving up for things if I wanted something. And you know, I remember being given a piggy bank. I'm not sure for young people now in the sort of cashless society world whether we'll still have piggy banks, but I very much remember my first piggy bank and sort of putting coins in there that, you know, when my mum particularly, if I helped with the washing up or I did something, she'd give me a, a, a coin to put in my piggy bank. So I guess it was that kind of, you know, get used to managing and in a very small way um, and take responsibility, you know, for for your money and save up for things, you know. So have that kind of attitude of perhaps being patient and and waiting and and working towards something. You can hear that when you were talking about some kind of reward in exchange for work. Your your work ethic as a leader is is pretty well renowned. Uh, you are extremely humble. You have great humility. In what ways do you think those early influences have stuck with you with regards to your emotional relationship with money? Again, I think my parents were. You know, I mean, they 
you know, I'm from Yorkshire. My parents are from Yorkshire. They, as well as sort of teaching me, they didn't like waste, um, but they also didn't like people kind of who got a bit above themselves. So, and 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 that's kind of a relationship with money. So, money is not something that really should define you. It's it's something that um, you know helps you, uh, uh, enables you to to do things. Um, but it's but it's not something that should sort of dominate. And I, I think I suppose also they in those early days I was probably risk of, as a child risk averse because it's if you like it's this save up for things rather than get ahead of yourself and try and accelerate sort of consuming uh, things that you haven't yet earned. So that kind of hard work or that that commitment to doing things, but then also learning from it. And it didn't matter whether it was my, edu- you know, whether it was school or I was very keen on sport, but learning to to give your all, but then learn from whatever, you know, learn from defeat. It's not about winning or, 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 or high, everything going your way. I, I think early on I was taught about, you know, getting up, dusting yourself off, if you like, and carrying on, so don't let things defeat you. And very often the obstacle is the way, isn't it? it? It's part of the journey, isn't it? And at what point did you learn that sometimes debt, there is good debt as well. There's a way of taking debt that allows you to take risks that that, that as long as they're considered could be a good way forward. Yeah, I think probably a little bit, a little bit late, later on. So, um, you know, I was, I was lucky enough straight out of university to be able to buy a small flat and that that was really the first time that i'd borrowed any money of significance i mean i'd borrowed small amounts of money as a teenager um when i wanted to do something but but that was really my my kind of first big thing whilst it was a natural thing to do it was something that i certainly you know it was a big deal for me it was a big deal to go to the bank and borrow money to do something which you know would would allow me to to buy that flat um and then i think later on as as i as i progressed in my career and i and i got bigger roles really not just with my own money but obviously the company's money you you have to be prepared to take a bit of risk um in terms of borrowing in order to scale but the thing that was drummed into me both by my parents and then later by role models um, at work, was just remember that it is all about cash. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, people talk about making profits, making losses, et cetera, i.e. accounting profits. And, you know, they're, they're important. But remember, if a business fails, if a business goes into liquidation, it's because it ran out of cash. So. I remember. I can never remember who said this to me, but it, but it, but it's a saying I really like. Somebody said to me, Steve, always remember that a sale to a customer is a gift until you receive the cash. That's powerful. Now, I know that Sage are passionately committed to finding ways to support more young people and more people to succeed. I love the knocking down barriers call to action. Can you tell us a little bit about why this is so important to Sage and and what impact you're aiming to create through your new sustainability and society strategy? Yeah, I think 
I think the phrase knocking down barriers is 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 a real leveler. I love and it. I, I love what, it. What I like what I mean by that is everybody has barriers. Everybody has faced barriers. Um but those barriers are not equal. I mean, and I always say I feel I feel in many ways very lucky that you know I can talk about barriers that I've faced, but in many ways my barriers were relatively small compared to other people's barriers. And so my my big ethos really is I believe there should be equal opportunity. Not everyone, that doesn't mean that everyone will thrive in the same way, which is why we have the phrase knocking down barriers so everyone can thrive, because it's about creating that opportunity and then ultimately as well, helping to give people the confidence to then try and go after that opportunity. I, I believe that this is why mentoring and having people around you to help you give give something a go is so important. I, you know, when I think about my own, um, you know, life, there have been a number of times where things have not gone as I expected, but there was always somebody, that phrase I used earlier, there's always someone who helped me get up dust myself off and kind of said to me, go and give it another go, Steve. And there's so many areas in in society where that access to people who can give you a bit of confidence. I mean, we've done a lot of research around people wanting to set up their own businesses. And what we find is 70, usually 70% or so of, of, of people who are surveyed completely overestimate how much it costs to get going and just set up a business. They always overestimate how difficult and, and sort of costly it is to, to give, a, give it a go. And the other thing is, is the willingness to fail. You don't learn anything unless you get unexpected outcomes. And sometimes I think in the UK, it's a bit frustrating. We do, we, we, our culture doesn't always encourage people to give it a go and then learn from your mistakes. I mean, we all make mistakes all the time. And if you, I mean, you know, I've been at this a long time. I learn stuff every day. And having that learning curious mentality is so, so important. Mm. And you're right that that it's it's that mindset, isn't it? It's that enterprising mindset, that growth mindset. But I suppose as well, there's um, it's a vicious circle, isn't it? Because I think one of your reports, I think it's the one that you did in partnership with the Entrepreneurship Network about the tackling economic inequality pillar of your strategy. Um, one of the biggest barriers were confidence around finances, whether that's taking out loans or attitudes to risk. I mean, what's your view on how these barriers can be tackled in order to unleash the potential of entrepreneurs in our underserved communities? I think it I think it's really important to try and combine um cap, you know capability so so you know partnering with others so I, as an example we we have a partnership at sage with with a um my kind of future um and the the aim of that partnership um is to access young people often when they go to a to a job center um access people who wouldn't normally think about setting up a business and help them do so. So, you know, help them take an idea, take a dream, however, um, you know, kind of ill-defined in many ways, 
and and help them take that and give them the confidence to give it a go by giving them you know support we can you know we can give them support through through software training etc um, but also utilizing things like the enterprise allowance uh, in order to to get going and set up a business and so we're things like that and and also you know digital inequality digital inequality is 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 so frustrating it if you don't have access to the internet you don't have access to a laptop it's so difficult that's a huge huge barrier if you think about the pandemic and people talking about remote schooling and remote education for many students they were lucky they were able to do online um, classes and so they didn't the, the the gap was not they haven't you know they haven't gone and lost a, a year or two years worth of education but there are many children in this country who don't have a laptop who don't have internet and therefore they have lost all this time so we've been partnering you know recycling laptops trying we've, we've been focused on the northeast trying to get laptops and internet access and etc breaking down that digital inequality so that people have the opportunity to then open their eyes open their minds to things that they didn't really think were available to them mm. so it's about addressing opportunity and addressing support to then access that opportunity and then beginning to think about aspiration yeah and one of the key pillars I know for the sustainability and society strategy is, is fuel for business and tackling economic equality. What what role do you think that financial capability plays in helping people equip themselves for starting a business? I I think one of the things with, with financial capability is it can start by being a fear. People, if they have no financial education or or they're not used to handling money for themselves, it can be an enormous fear factor. And so it it then creates a very significant barrier. It's like, well, I couldn't run my own business because I wouldn't know how to manage the finances. And so I, I think helping people to just understand the basics of, of managing money and, and, and just very simple things like, well, if you have a business idea, you're going to sell something to someone. So, so it's important to understand, you know, what is it you're going to offer and what are you going to charge for it? And then crucially, at the point of delivering whatever it is you're going to deliver, are you going to get paid or are you going to allow some credit to, to, to your customer? And then what is it you need to buy? in order to operate your business and same principle when you buy it are you going to pay cash or are you going to have some credit now it's very important for a young person to understand that actually at its most basic level that's all you need to focus on but what you need to make sure of is that that adds up because if you give credit to your customers but you pay all your suppliers cash as you grow you'll run out of money because by definition, you're paying people before you've earned it. And it's those simple things that if you're, not, if, if you're not used to it or somebody doesn't take the time to explain it to you, you can very quickly actually get into trouble, not because your business idea was bad, but because you didn't think about the monetary part of it. So it's, it's a critical enabler, but mm. because people fear it, 
it can also be a very large barrier. And Steve, there's such a nuance there with what you're talking about, because we have lots of conversations, don't we, in this country about the role that financial education can play in preventing financial exploitation or debt. But we hear much less about the role of financial education as an enabler, uh, providing some informed thinking about risk and reward. What contribution do you think it can have financial education towards building that aspirational, enterprising growth mindset that you've just described? I think is in order to build a business or or actually to, to in many ways to, to achieve anything in your life, uh, you need to take risk. Um, if, if you do everything in a way where there's no risk, um, you'll never challenge the boundaries or you'll never You'll never do stuff that takes you out of your comfort zone. And to run your own business or, or to, to achieve success, you need to be prepared to go out of your comfort zone. And what financial education does is it removes one of the discomforts and actually turns something which you fear into an enabler. So it takes something that you think is a barrier it turns into something that helps you achieve your dream. And that actually is something that I often try and achieve more broadly. I think if you can look at something and think, wow, well, that's a big barrier, or indeed that's a weakness, how can I turn that into an opportunity? How can I turn that into a strength? And you don't, I think sometimes people think, oh, you know, I need to go and I need to learn to be an accountant or I need to do, you know, weeks and weeks of financial training. Um, I don't think that's the case at all. I just think you need to have this basic understanding of finances. And, you know, that's why we partner with a number of different organizations to try and give young people that access and then have someone there as, as, as a mentor or as a coach so that wait, because you don't need that all the time. But what you do need is someone who, when you're right out of your comfort zone and you're not really sure what to do, having someone who gives you a bit of extra confidence is so important. I mean, I'm, you know, I've been at this a long time. You know, I still use a mentor today mm. to give me confidence or to to give me someone I can just kick things around with. I mean. As I say, to be successful or to, to achieve anything, whether it be sport, business, any part of your life, you need to go out of your comfort zone. And, and if you don't have people supporting you, that can be quite a difficult thing to do. And listening to you there, you're constantly learning. You're using the information to inform what you're going to do next. That, that very much kind of a, an enterprising mindset, a growth mindset. When did you develop that and how how did you develop that? I've always been curious, um, mm -hmm. you know, sort of borderline nosy, I suppose. Um, <laughs> and that I haven't always turned that into high achievement. It's funny, you know, I've been asked a number of times, you know, about early on in my my life and my career. And people sort of assume that you have this amazing track record everything you've touched has kind of turned to amazing outcomes um and and that's not the case i mean because i've had periods you know for when i was at school i was more interested in playing sport than i was in passing exams and and so you know some of my academic record is is not not exactly what it should be 
But I think all along, I've had this curiosity to want to learn. I've always liked reading, reading about things, reading about books, finding out things. And I think having that open mind to learn, and that requires you to have, to really focus on your listening skills. Because it's very tempting to, you know, tell other people your views. But if you want to learn, you need to go and listen and and find out new things from wherever you can. And, you know, I've, I've often said to, to people, don't worry about whether it's an original idea. Feel free to copy from anybody. I mean, that's what learning's all about. I mean... You hear so many people when they say, when you ask them, well, how did you get this idea for your business? Oh, well, I was traveling. I was in America or I was in Asia or whatever, and I saw something. And I thought, wow, that would work. And so I came back to the UK and I, I set that business up and it and it worked. I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You, you, you should take input from wherever you can. And, and this also leads to you being prepared to work with others. If you don't have an open mind, a curious mind, and, and, and you don't want to learn from others, it also stops you partnering with others. And, it, and, and if you don't partner with others, you, 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 it's a real missed opportunity because often you can achieve an outcome faster if you work with others. It's a sort of team, it's a team mm. sport, really. You can mm. achieve more by working with others. And you can see that. I mean, your leadership of of Sage is is very much around partnership. You talked about not wanting to duplicate, to be a good partner. It's a very low ego approach. If we picked up our discussions again in a couple of years' time, which I hope we could, so say say twenty twenty five, what would you be hoping to share has happened uh, for you to feel that the strategy has been successful? Being able to demonstrate that we helped people set up businesses particularly young people from underrepresented groups who, you know, there's nothing I like more to hear somebody say, you know, I never, ever believed I would do this. That's such a great thing to hear from somebody. Obviously, the wider, you know, societal commitments, you know, we we all want to, to tackle climate change. We all want to do our bit for uh, on carbon emissions, et cetera, we, we must all take that seriously as, as, you know, jointly, whether it be business, personal, et cetera. And I think this businesses historically have, have really, let's be honest, been run primarily for their, for their owners. So as a public company for, for shareholders, I really, really believe now that that's, that's an outdated model. We, we are clear. We, we have four groups of stakeholders, our customers, our people, so that's people, our colleagues, people who work for Sage, but also our wider partner network, everyone who's involved in in, in working in partnership with with Sage, our shareholders, and and widest the wider society and communities. You know, our customers are small, mid-sized businesses, and they often operate within their uh, communities, and it matters the contribution that you make um, to those communities. And I and when I make decisions. I make decisions through the lens of treating those four groups equally. And I think you can't trade off one against another. So if we're chatting in a few years' time, I would love to look back and be able to show that we've helped people create new businesses, but we have been true to our aspiration to do the best we possibly can 
for all of our stakeholders so that so that we're making a much wider contribution obviously i want sage to be successful but i want sage to be successful because we have helped make our stakeholders more successful just listening to that and it's a it's almost like a balanced scorecard approach but is making significant investment in the future isn't it into a sustainable for f- future in terms of our communities our people our skills the next generation that's that's a brilliant aspiration to have. I very much hope that we do have that conversation in the future, just to reflect that we have had that success. My last question really is about social mobility. I know that SAGE's Partnership with Purpose Coalition, founded, of course, by former Education Secretary Justine Greening, a passionate advocate of social mobility. I know that's an important partnership. and I know you've talked about collaborating to increase social mobility. I also know that levelling up through enterprise is your particular lens. But I guess my last question is, what are your views on the potential contribution financial capability can make to social mobility? I think it opens doors because what it does, it gives you confidence to go try things. So, you know, the, the, the side hustles that you're working on, converting them into an outcome. And I, I, I can't overemphasize the, the barrier that this can create if you are scared of of financial matters because everything in business has to do with moving money around so you, it's, it's something that that you need to really embrace and then once you've done that it opens doors it allows you to expand your network it gives you the confidence as i've said to try stuff and learn and and instead of fearing an unexpected outcome you embrace it because it's another thing that you can learn from. And it gives you the confidence to then start to partner with other people or to, to embrace input from other people. And in the end, all of that opens up opportunities, which then drives you know this social mobility because the barrier is getting stuck in your environment and, and starting to believe that there is no way out. And so, you know, learning is about always thinking, well, there is more for me to find out. And as I find out, I'm going to use that to do something different to what I'm doing today. And that's what opportunity is all about. And then it's down to the individual to choose which of those opportunities they they want to pursue. But the exciting thing is they now have some choice as opposed to feeling that actually there are no opportunities, so there is nothing to choose from. Steve, we've sadly come to the end of our time together. Can I just say what an absolute pleasure it's been to interview you today? Um, I'll take this opportunity to wish you all the very best with the sustainability and society strategy. It's hugely inspiring. And of course, your role as levelling up commissioner, focusing on uh, extending enterprise. We've got such a fantastic opportunity here to, to build this fairer ecosystem. And I know that's where Sage is really heading. Thank you so much for talking with us on Minding Your Money. Absolute pleasure. And I look forward to speaking to you again in a few years. Thanks to Steve for joining us on Enterprising Mindsets, Minding Your Money. To hear more interviews like this and access series one and two, please subscribe to Enterprising Mindsets on your favourite podcast service. We'd love you to leave us a review if possible too. Thank you for listening. Thank you.